This morning we're going to look at um, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. We talked about a little about this last week, so I'm going to recap for just a minute or two. And in 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. You know, last week we, uh, we looked at and recognized that the devil seeks to influence our will. That, um, uh, that his very name means slanderer, and that he tells us lies to influence our will so that we make poor decisions that lead to our demise. That's his main tactic and influence on us that we needed to be aware of this. And we saw an example of when Jesus was tested in the wilderness, how the devil came at him in that way. And today, as I was, or the, earlier this week, as I was thinking about today and then our family service next week, um, you know, we're approaching a day when evil is celebrated. And uh, I want to talk to you this morning about overcoming the devil. Um, and how do we overcome the devil? Now, let's talk about the devil for a minute. Uh, imaginations run wild when you begin to uh, describe the devil. Right? If you were to ask anybody on the street, describe the, the devil to us. Uh, you might get a description of Hades, right? Lord of the underworld kind of thing from Greek mythology. Or you might get a mischievous cartoon serpent that loves a party. Right? Uh, and there's all kinds of things in between. I thought it amazing when I googled images of the devil, and the vast majority of, uh, not majority, the, the just different ideas that came up around that from Casper dressed up as the devil, like this little cute little cartoon thing to, to uh, devourers of children uh, images, which was gross, um, to just ghosts to these, this powerful, muscular, winged terror of a creature that would give children nightmares. You know, just all of this variance and varied opinions and descriptions of what the devil looked like, who the devil was, and those kinds of things. I mean, even the Bible describes the devil differently. Genesis chapter 3, the devil is described as a serpent that tricks Eve in Isaiah chapter 14, the devil is referred to as a fallen angel. And then in Revelation chapter 12, he's referred to as a great dragon. So this, this vivid imagery of what the devil looks like varies. But what I want to talk to you about this morning is it really doesn't matter what the outward appearance of the devil looks like or you think the devil looks like. You won't recognize the devil by an outward appearance because the devil takes all forms of appearances. That's just the truth. The devil is a supernatural being, a spirit that is recognized through the manifestations of evil. That's how you recognize the devil. Because the devil's a spirit. The devil is supernatural. Just like angels... Uh, just like 
um, God, like th- these are supernatural creations that just aren't recognizable except in their manifestations. Jesus describes the devil in John chapter 8, verse 44. He says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. That's Jesus describing the devil. Of course, he was talking uh, to the Pharisees and the religious leaders, and he was saying, hey, your dad is the devil because you're lying and he's lying and so on and so forth. But then Jesus also calls Judas a devil. In John chapter 6, verse 70, he says, Then Jesus replied, Have I not chosen you the twelve? Yet one of you is a devil. And then in Matthew chapter 16, 23, he calls Peter Satan. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And so I think, uh, you know, on this, on this day that we, we're, we're, you know, next weekend is a celebration of Halloween, and it's traditionally just a, it, it's a pagan celebration um, that is really celebrating evil, uh, no matter how much you make it cute. Uh, at, at its core, at its foundation, it's just a celebration of the spiritual world and dark places, hence skeletons and witches and goblins and all those kinds of, all those kinds of things. So, the devil is a very uh, real presence. Um, and it's important for us to understand that how the devil operates and how you overcome the devil. Because there's a lot of stuff out there. There's a lot of misunderstanding, and we certainly can't uh, have the time to go into all of it today. But before I jump into some of this, I, I want you to understand and differentiate that the devil is an influencer of people's wills, okay? He uses lies, he uses fear, he uses desires, he uses anger, he plays off the, off the sinful side of, of you and of me uh, to get us to make decisions that coincide with his evil desires and plans. He schemes, he sets traps by influencing people to abandon what is good, leading them to their destruction. In fact, the most commonly word used to describe the devil in Scripture is your adversary or your enemy. The devil is an enemy to all that is good. It's just important to understand that. He's an enemy and an adversary to all that is good. And I'm going to... put it at the screen at the end of the sermon, but what do we mean by good? See, there's, there's good that we think is good, like, to me, chocolate chip cookies are good. But sometimes chocolate chip cookies are an enemy to me, right? They just, they just aren't in it for my well-being, you know? So we're not talking about that kind of opinion of good. When we talk about good, we talk about what God originally instituted what is godly, what did God ordain, what originates from God. That's what we mean by good, that which originates from God. And so when 
when God created the heavens and the earth, he said it was good. When God created the animals and the plants and the fish and those kinds of things, he said he looked on it and it was good. When God created mankind in his own image, he said mankind is good. So he cre- it's the things that originate from God is what we're talking about, not what society says is good or your, your upbringing says is good or any of those kinds of things. Here's the thing that's important for us to understand that the devil is a master at getting good people to do evil in the name of good. He's a master at it. Thousands of years of practice. If I did anything for thousands of years, I'd be really good at it too. Right? Let me start off with Eve. The original temptation, the original luring her away from doing what is good into doing the devil's will. And her thing was, hey, what you're about to do, Eve, is good for you. Right? A good person lied to her to do what was bad in the name of good. And it's important to remember this because, uh, well, let me put you to a scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 25. Uh, Paul is encouraging Timothy on how to... uh, talk to people who, um, who are against his teaching and whatnot. He says, Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil, who has taken them captive to do his will. That's scary. I don't want to be... I don't want to be... Uh, ensnared or trapped or deceived by the devil to do his will. So who is, who is Paul talking about to Timothy? Is he talking about these unbelievers? Is he, what is, who is he? he says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. Man, those people in the world are terrible. Without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Man, describes the world around us, doesn't it? Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Uh Uh-oh. All these people he's talking about are religious people. And Paul says, have nothing to do with such people. So Paul is telling Timothy, there are people who are opposed to your preaching and to what you're doing. Gently instruct them, hoping to lead them out of the fact and the observation that they have been deceived by the devil. He has entrapped them to do his will. And here's how you can, they do these things, they love this, they do this, they're this, and we're like, yeah, that's the world, that's the world. And he says, they have a form of godliness, but deny the power. I could use all my hands and all my toes to count the number of people who claim that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior, but are doing evil things in the world. 
It's, and you know what? Some of those people include me. I'm not too proud to, to admit that there are times that the devil deceives me, lies to me, and gets me to respond or make decisions that are not in accordance with God's will. Right? I mean, sometimes I just, sometimes I get mad. And I say something I shouldn't. Or I throw something I shouldn't. Or I accuse somebody of something I shouldn't. Or any of those kinds of things. Man, the devil got my number. The problem is, I recognize that the devil plays on me and he's seeking to destroy me. And so when these things come up, I recognize and say, whoa, uh, I pray, at the beginning of this it says, um, that I would, I hope that God will grant me repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth that I may come to my senses and escape the trap of the devil. That's my prayer for myself. That's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for my family members. That, hey, I pray that they would come to an idea of what the devil's doing through them, whether no matter how big or how small, and that we would come to our senses and escape this trap of the devil and overcome the devil. He's a master at getting good people to do evil in the name of good. But let's keep in mind that um, before we jump into how do we overcome the devil, that he is an influence of our will, but he has uh, a measure of power and authority in the world around us. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, Paul wrote this, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live, when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. So Paul describes the devil as a ruler of the kingdom of the air. So a ruler has a measure of uh, authority, a measure of power. So as we talk the next few minutes, keep in mind that the devil isn't, uh, he, he's, we'll get into it in a minute, but he's not all powerful, but nor is he something that's just to be ignored. Okay, there's an in-between there uh, place where the devil has it we're going to look at. So, I don't know about you, but I want to know how to overcome the devil. I want to know how to overcome the devil. Because I don't want to be kept captive to the devil's will. Nor do I want to be in fear of, nor be influenced by, or those kinds of things. And so there's, we could probably do like month-long series and those kinds of things. So I'm going to just hit two things, uh, very basic, to give you a starting point in overcoming the devil. The first thing that we need to understand is that we have a position to adopt, okay? What do we mean by that? In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, before Jesus ascended into heaven, he gathered his disciples and he said this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
So it's important to understand that Jesus Christ has authority over everything in the cosmos, on earth, under the earth, above the earth, around the earth. All authority everywhere and in everything has been granted to Jesus Christ. Okay? And in Luke chapter 10, verse 19, Jesus said this, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy, nothing will harm you. Now he's talking to his disciples, uh, 72, as he sent them out to do his work and his will. That's the context of him saying this. But Jesus Christ has the authority to be able to give you and I authority so that nothing will harm us. Okay? And then in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, we read this. They triumphed over him, the devil, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. So who's they? There's, it's talking about the martyrs who... who um, in, in, you can read all of Revelation chapter 12. The point is this, they triumphed. Their victory was bought over the blood of the Lamb, which is uh, symbolic for Jesus' sacrifice, his shedding of his blood on the cross that purchased um, our reconciliation with God. So because of Jesus Christ's position and the word of our testimony, the fact that we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and are now with Christ, that's our testimony, the by the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony, they overcame the devil. My point is this. We, if you're going to overcome the devil, you have to recognize the position you have in Christ. What is that position? Because of Jesus' work on the cross and our acceptance of him as our Lord and Savior, we are now part of the family of God, part of God's kingdom, where Jesus Christ has all authority and all power in his domain. So therefore, the devil has no authority over you. Okay? So there's no need to fear when you encounter the devil. Um, You are under no obligation to participate in evil. Zero. None. I forget which uh, famous uh, author penned this, but he said uh, he'd be woken at night to, to the things that you would see on some of these horror movies, like shades shaking and uh, you know, noises in the bedroom, and he'd wake up and he'd say, oh, it's just you, devil, and he'd go back to sleep. Because he realizes positionally The devil has no authority over him. The devil is just trying to influence his own will, his own fears, his own desires to get him to do the devil's will. The devil can't touch me. I'm a child of God. And so when you walk into an arena where you feel evil, when you walk into where you just know that something's not right, you have nothing to fear. The devil has no authority. He can't force you to participate. He can't possess you. He can't do anything against your will if you are a child 
of God. Because Jesus Christ has all authority. Now, let me preface that with this. Uh, Evil people can dish out consequences if you don't participate in their evil. So you may be afraid to face the, the consequences of not participating in evil. This is why in Hebrews chapter 11, men and women were burned at the stake, sawed in two, uh, all these kinds of gruesome things for their stand for what was good because evil men and women who were being driven by the devil did evil things to them. So there, we need to make sure you draw a line here because uh, the devil can't make you do anything. And, and the devil doesn't come on and make you sick. The devil doesn't come on and, and uh, as a child of God, uh, possess you and force you and all these kinds of things. He, he will influence your will to get you to do his bidding. Or he will influence the will of somebody else who will do his bidding against you. Okay? Because they have their own will. I hope this is making some sense. But the devil has, when you come, I've, um, it doesn't happen often, but there are times I've been in prayer. I remember one time right here in the altar, and I don't know if you've ever felt in your life just an evil presence. Like, I was in here and just praying, and all of a sudden, like, all my hairs just stood on end, and I was like, what is that? It was just something. It was, I got nothing to fear. Just you just say, uh, you know, devil, you have no place here. I sense your presence, and you need to leave. But there's nothing to boom, 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 boom. There's no horror thing. There's no demon around a corner who's going to pounce on you and get like you have none of those kinds of fears. Even if you you encounter somebody who's demon possessed, you never saw Jesus afraid when when he cast demons out. You just leave them, like. A man bound by chains and cutting himself in the tombs breaks free and he comes running at Jesus and and Jesus is like, everyone's scared and running away. You have nothing to fear as a child of God. And, And it's a position that you have to, by faith, hold on to. You say, I'm a child of God. Evil has no authority nor power over me and I refuse to fear because my my position is in Christ. I'm not going to be afraid of the devil. I'm not going to be afraid of the evil. You understand? Second thing, an action to take. So that we have a position to uh, adopt and we have an action to take. We looked at a few of these last week. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 9, Peter said, Resist him, standing firm in the faith. And in, in James 4, 7, it said, Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Ephesians 6, 11, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary... They, the weapons, have divine power to demolish strongholds. 
We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. There's a lot more scriptures we could go through about all of these things that we can do, these actions to resist the devil, to put on the armor, to fight with, uh, uh, combat against the devil. And so you start thinking, do I need to resist? Do I need to fight? Do I need to wage war? Do I just need to ignore? What is it that I'm supposed to do? And I want to make it super simple today. Because although all of these things are true, um, many of them are situational. Depending on what you're against. Sometimes ignoring the devil is the best thing. Sometimes waging war and taking thoughts captive is the best thing. So what is it that we're supposed to be doing? Because if you have, these are all means, these are all uh, methods and tools, but if you don't have the, the, the main thing that we're supposed to be doing down that you, you're holding on to, the rest of these you can get hyper-focused in one area. And that's this, exactly what we started off with a couple weeks ago, looking at Jesus. Mark chapter 14, verse 36. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he says this, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. What is it that we do? We do the will of God. We're obedient to God, regardless of the consequences. So what's the action we take? The action is we do the will of God. Sometimes that will of God requires us to just ignore the evil. Sometimes the will of God is for us to take up a, a position and stand against the evil of the day and, and not be moved and put on that full armor of God and so on. And sometimes... Um, it's just resisting. It's, it's taking the tools that God has provided for us and the stance and just resisting the devil's temptations and attacks against us. The, the strategy is, can change depending on what you're at, but the action that we do that keeps us focused is the will of God. It's obedience to God, which is what Jesus Christ did. He did it when he was tempted in the wilderness. The devil tried to get him off, and he was like, no. God led me out here because I'm hungry. Nope. God, this is the road I need to walk. I'm not taking the shortcut because God set this road for me. God said I need to do this. And so we focus. Nope. I'm, I'm doing God's will. I'm obedient to God. Well, you say, well, how do you know? I have this. So when, when, when we read in Romans where it says, love your enemies. Do good to those who persecute you. We go, that's God's will. When he says forgive and you will be, forgive, you will be forgiven, you say, well, I, I need to forgive. That's God's will. And I'm going to do God's will regardless. You say, well, that's hard, Pastor, because you see, oh, oh, the devil's playing with your, with your will. God doesn't know how much this person hurt me. I can't possibly forgive. Oh, Pat, if I did that, they would run me over. They would, we're, 
we're talking about committed to doing God's will and being obedient to God. When you commit to being obedient to God and you take the stance that, I, uh, the position that I have nothing to fear, when I'm doing God's will and I'm obedient to God, I got nothing to fear. No evil is going to overtake me. Now, do we get this right 100% of the time? Absolutely not. I fail regularly, I'll admit. But it's not because I want to fail. I recognize that when I'm doing the will of God, the devil may come at me, but he's got no power over me. He's got no authority over me. God's my protector. God's my provider. What do I have to fear? If God be for me, who can be against me? Now, I say, I, it may sound like a little glib that I'm saying that, but it doesn't mean that uh, when the storm is raging all around you that you're not a little concerned. Right? But there's a faith aspect that my perfect spot where I'm not going to be uh, subject to the devil is when I'm doing God's will and I'm standing uh, right with God in, in my position as his child of God. It's a, it's a mindset and it's a focus for your actions. It's quiet today. Because I think we just want to say, hey, tell, pastor, tell me the magic prayer to overcome the devil. Give me the right pill I can pop and the devil will go away. Can I just, if I attend the right church or, or I have the right series of words I can use whenever I encounter the devil, uh, give me some sort of promise to hold on to. And it's just not that easy and cut and dry. Because the devil is a master influencer. I don't know what degree you can have higher than PhD, but the devil has that in, in doing evil. And he's good at it. He's just good at it. And, and, and Scripture warns, especially of last days, he's going to be able to influence good people who proclaim their love for God He's going to be able to influence them and drag them away so that they, they do things they ought not to and they, they say things they ought not to and, and they don't reflect Christ in any sort of way and they've been entrapped by the devil to do his will instead of God's will. That's, that's a little unnerving because I'm one of those people who loves God, who wants to do God's will. I don't want to do the devil's will. How do we overcome? First, we don't fear the devil. I don't, I don't lay in bed at night going, geez, I wonder if I'm doing the devil's will today. No, because I have the Holy Spirit who lives in me, who when I'm positioned next to, to, to Christ as, as a child of the King, um, the Holy Spirit speaks. I, you, feel, you feel this like this warring inside you that something doesn't seem right, and you, you give that to God, and you have a relationship, and God leads you correctly. and So there's nothing to fear. But as far as my activity to overcome the devil, I'm not focused on the devil. I, I, I recognize that the devil's really good at what he does. But if I will focus on, on what God says I need to be doing and how I need to be living and how I need to be talking and I focus my life on following God in that way, uh, I overcome the devil by not doing the devil's will. 
So that's how you give the devil a black eye in a fight. You just say no. And I'm, I'm doing God's will instead. And, 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 and I know this is easier said than done. But the first step is you being alerted to how the devil operates. He doesn't show up like in the Marvel movies as this huge, big demon thing breathing fire with horns and you have to blow him up with a mega neutron something or other. Right? I wish it was that easy. No, he takes any form he needs to to get you away from doing God's will. Your mindset, your fears, your desires, all of these things, he knows how to use them against us. Last scripture I want to share with you, which seems so, I mean, we'll just read it. Romans 12, 21. Do not be overcome by evil. Overcome evil with good. And this is the good uh, referring to her at the end. What do we mean by good? Does it mean just doing nice things? It, can, it might. But we say good, it's what originally originates from God. Good, it describes what originates from God. What is good? Well, what God said is good. What God established and ordered and, and set, that's what's good. So he says, good when believers gather together. Well, I want to gather together with other believers because God said that was good. I like spending time in in creation because God created it and said it was good. I like to walk around and say amen. But we participate in the things that are good, especially the things that go against our nature, our desires, and whatnot. What's God, what's God speaking to us today? God has already overcome the devil. He's overcome the devil. The battle is, uh, the war is lost as far as the devil's concerned. Jesus Christ's uh, death, burial, resurrection, and then ascension into heaven uh, signed the, the, the death certificate you know, the devil's on death row. We're marching to that date where the devil will no longer have any influence in this world. So, he can make a lot of noise. And he can make a lot of trouble. Uh, but he shouldn't be feared. If you're, if you're here and you ever are in a situation where you feel an evil presence and you start to panic, you say, no, no, no. This fear comes from the devil. I'm going to trust in, in you, Lord. I'm going, to, I'm going to trust in what you said is good. I'm going to do the things that you said are good. I'm going to respond to this fear and anxiety. I'm not going to let it drive me. I'm going to, I'm going to focus. And, and Lord, what's your response in this situation? See, we turn everything back. Lord, I'm not, I'm not going to let the devil play with me. And so really, all of the commands that, that, that are in here um, are for our benefit. It teaches us how to live a, a godly life. And I don't, I don't have the slides, so I'll just, I'll just read it. I'm shooting from the hip right now. 
2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who has called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, His glory and His goodness, He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature. Is that incredible? That I can actually participate in the divine nature, in the very nature of God, I can be a participant. That is amazing. Having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So God provides everything for you and for me to escape the corruption of this world and participate in the divine nature so that our nature is like God's. That's that's amazing. Through his power, through his glory, forever and ever, amen. And when you're participating in the divine nature of God, there's no force on this earth that can touch that. They might be able to touch your physical body, but guess what? You're an eternal being. This this thing we care so much about, um, which we should, there's a measure of caring about our temple and our physical body, but... It's just a vehicle. It's a vehicle. You're an eternal being. Your Your soul lives forever. So you can overcome the devil. Remember your position in Christ and your obedience to God. Those two things, if you keep those in your pockets as remembrance, like, hey, my position is in Christ. I'm not going to fear that. My position is Christ, and that's not synonymous with position in Christ. I'm not going to step outside of that. And then I'm going to be obedient to whatever God says, regardless of my feelings, regardless of my anger, regardless of my upbringing, regardless of this. If God says it, that's what I'm doing. If God says this is how I feel or how I should respond, that's what I'm going to try to feel and respond. And by doing that, we're resisting the devil. And just like James, just like Paul, just like Peter, this resisting of the devil forces the devil to flee. We see it in the example of Jesus Christ. As the devil sought to get Jesus to change and not do the will of the Father, when he was tempted, he said, no, 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 with Scripture. We get to the end, just before the night before Jesus is going to die. He knows what's coming. He's, he's such an anguish. Another Scripture says he's sweating like big drops of blood. Like, That just speaks to, I don't know if you've ever been that anxious about something to where you're just sweating like crazy. That's pretty anxious. And he says, God, I really don't want to go through with this. If there's any way. But you know what? What's most important to me is your way, your will. And the devil wasn't able to overcome him. As we close this, the, the day out today and as we approach um, next weekend, where it's just this stage, Halloween's a marketing. Uh, it's up there with Easter and Christmas and just, you know, our consumerism mentality is just, you know, it's blown out like crazy. Uh, we've, just as 
uh, when Christmas comes, we will, we will try to remind you of the origins of the holiday and what it's significant and why we celebrate it. Um, uh, just remember that at its roots, this coming weekend is originated because evil was being celebrated. And so take that however you want when you lead your, your family or yourself in whatever you do or don't do. Um, but know this, as we're, as we're in a period of time when, when society is kind of celebrating evil, know that you can overcome evil. It doesn't have to be a part of your life. The devil doesn't have to influence you so that you're partakers of evil which lead to your downfall. You can overcome. And you can overcome because of your position in Christ and your obedience to God. And those two ingredients will lead you to be overcomers of evil. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your Son. We thank you for Jesus Christ who came, who purchased uh, for us an inheritance um, that we could never have on our own. And part of that inheritance is just having power and authority over evil, evil in our own life, evil in the world around us. And we ask you, Lord, to remind us of our position in you, that we would not be moved from that position, as, as Paul writes in Ephesians, that uh, we would take our stand and not be moved against the devil's schemes. Secondly, we pray for your Holy Spirit to continually remind us of the good, the what is it that originates from God that we need to be partakers of? Lord, lead us to your scriptures. Lead us to godly men and women who would show us uh, your will, your plan, your ways, that we may adopt those things in our life, live those out. May that be our driving force, our driving activity in our life, and that all the other scriptures that come around that would help us and enable us to carry out your will. Lord, in doing so, as we, as we uh, position ourselves in Christ, as we're obedient to the will of God, I pray, Lord, that everyone in this place would not be overcome by evil, would not be led astray, would not be distracted. We pray, Lord, that no scheme of the devil, no plan, no, no uh, architecture of his would, would allow us to be pulled away from you, Lord. Make us aware of his schemes. Keep us close to you. We ask in your holy and precious name. Amen. Amen, church. Well, God bless you. We love you. Um, please feel free to hang out and enjoy each other's company. And we'll, uh, we'll see you next week. God bless.